The Holy Gospel according to St. John, from the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does indeed come from John, chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And uh, it's not written in your bulletin with the, with the page number, so just bear with me. It's only six verses. <clears throat> so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Glory to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. You may have noticed I made an audible call uh, on the gospel this morning, and it will make sense um, as you listen to the proclamation. Today is uh, Reformation Day, and we often ask historians to set an exact time and place for the beginning of, of great changes in history. And the year of the Reformation was 1517, and so if we subtract 1517 from 2022, we get that tomorrow, the 31st of October, is the 505th anniversary of one of those times in history, in one of those places. You see, a professor of Old Testament theology at the University of Wittenberg wanted to hold a discussion concerning the abuse of indulgences. He did what any professor of a university would do. He publicized his desire to debate with other scholars of his day. And he wrote down his talking points, and he posted them on the community bulletin board. And at the time, the community bulletin board was the door of the castle church at Wittenberg. Now, the invitation that he posted was entitled, Disputation on the Power and Efficacy of Indulgences. 
in this disputation, he had 95 talking points, or what we call theses. And since it was easier to say 95 theses rather than the disputation on the power and efficacy of indulgences, the popular title quickly became The 95 Theses. And that is the title that most of us know today. So when Martin Luther posted the 95 Theses, he had absolutely no idea that he had done anything unusual. He didn't have an appreciation for the recently invented printing press, nor did he have an appreciation for the frustration that boiled just below the surface of European society. And further, his little invitation to discuss the power and efficacy of indulgences was like a spark to the fuse of a powder keg of Europe. And although Luther wrote the 95 Theses in the scholarly language of Latin, it took only a few days for the German translations to start rolling off the presses in Germany. And it wasn't long after that that they were translated into most of the other languages throughout Europe. Now the thing that led Luther to seek out a debate on the topic of indulgences was actually his own struggle. His struggle with what he would later call the monster of uncertainty. The monster of uncertainty. Now what is that? Well, I'll tell you. Luther's career as a reformer did not begin with the posting of the 95 Theses. Instead, it began within himself, within his own struggle concerning his own salvation that occurred in the quiet of his monastery cell. It was there that he found an unequivocal and satisfying answer to the question which had long perturbed him and many of his contemporaries, and even some today. And that question is, how may I be certain of salvation? Luther would later describe his struggle with these words, and I quote from him, I hated that word, righteousness of God which according to the use and custom of all the teachers, I had been taught to understand philosophically regarding the formal or active righteousness, as they called it, with which God is righteous and punishes the unrighteous sinner. Further, he writes, Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction. I did not love. Yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. And secretly, if not blasphemely, Certainly murmuring greatly, I was angry with God and said, 
As if, indeed, it is not enough that miserable sinners who are eternally lost through original sin are crushed by every kind of calamity by the law of the Decalogue without having God to add pain to pain by the gospel and also by the gospel threatening us with his righteousness and wrath. He's quite human there. He continues, Thus, I raged. I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. And nevertheless, I beat importunately. I had to look that up because you don't use that very often. and At least I don't. So importunately is a, in a beseeching manner. I would describe it, you remember the parable that Jesus told of the uh, unrighteous judge, the judge that neither uh, respected men nor loved God, and the woman kept coming to him over and over and over and over again, and finally he gave up. That was an example of importunately. So in a beseeching manner, Luther calls upon Paul at that place, most ardently desiring to know what St. Paul wanted. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely, in it the righteousness of God is revealed, as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. And there, Luther says, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteousness lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which merciful God justifies us by faith as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. Luther says, here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. There a totally other face of the entire scripture showed itself to me. Thereupon, Luther writes, I ran through the scriptures from memory. I also found, in other terms, an analogy as the work of God, that is, what God does in us, and the power of God with which he makes us strong, the wisdom of God with which he makes us wise, the strength of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God. And I extolled my sweetest word with a love as great as the hatred with which I had before hated the word righteousness of God. And thus, that place in Paul was for me truly the gate to paradise. 
Luther is, is referencing uh, Paul's letter uh, to the Romans in chapter 3. Now with these words, Luther informed his readers that he finally understood the precious words that Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. And that was this gospel this morning. Jesus said, If you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The goal of the word of God is to set us free. Yes, we should want to abide in God's word simply because it is God's word. And yes, we should want to abide in God's word because it is the truth. But even so, in today's gospel, Jesus tells us, he tells us that abiding in God's word gives us freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from death and freedom from the power of the devil. And the Holy Spirit not only uses God's word to deliver the forgiveness of sins to us, he not only uses it to establish faith in us, but he also overcomes that monster of uncertainty with that same word of God. With the word of God, he gives confidence in the salvation that Jesus Christ earned for us on the cross. Listen to the beautiful words that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write in Romans 3, 22 through 25. Paul writes, For there is no distinction... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That word propitiation means that Jesus totally satisfied God's justice with his perfect life and sacrificial death on the cross. And through Jesus Christ, your salvation is already bought and paid for. And it is words like this that the Holy Spirit uses to keep you in the faith that receives eternal life. Now, sadly, there are people who reject the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And when the people in today's gospel heard what Jesus had said, they answered him. Do you remember what they said? Did you kind of cock your head and go, that's weird? They said this, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? John 8, 33. This is pretty strange words for 
people to say, considering that all they had to do was to lift their eyes up, look a little bit to the northeast, and in a fort, they would see Roman soldiers keeping watch on them from the Antonian fortress that was built right next door to the temple. They also seem to have forgotten their exile in Babylon and their slavery in Egypt. But of course, the freedom that Jesus gives us is much more than mere political or physical freedom. The freedom that Jesus gives is freedom from sin. And without that freedom, we are all slaves to sin, as Jesus himself said when he answered them this, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So when anyone insists that they do not need Jesus, the word of God is there to remind them that we are all conceived and born sinful, and all are slaves to sin until Jesus Christ claims us as his own. So the word of God informs us of our need for a Savior by showing our sin to us. And then it tells us who that Savior is. And it tells us what that Savior has done. And then the Holy Spirit uses that same word to call us into faith and keep us in the faith. And it is through faith that we receive the freedom that Jesus earned on the cross, the freedom that Jesus promised in his word. Now on this day, we observe tomorrow's 505th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg. And let us remember that the Reformation really is not about the man, Martin Luther. Instead, it is about the Word of God, the Word of God that makes us free. Martin himself once preached about the Word of God and said this, I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never by force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's Word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Phillips and Amsdorf, the Word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. He said, I did nothing. The Word did everything. So listen once again to Jesus' words in today's gospel. The Word that showed how it leads to eternal freedom. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.